This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Tyler Donaldson, Don Wick, and Whitney Pittman. Well, early in the week, North Dakota Stockman's Association President Jason Leeseth said his phone was going off nonstop over issue of electronic identification. With those policy committee meetings complete at, cat, the, at the cattle industry convention, Seth is pleased with how the issue was handled. You know, in the policy committee, I, I felt we had a very uh, healthy discussion for the industry about the topic. Um, you know, there was none of the mention of mandatory and things like that that were tossed around and mandatory feed of cattle identification that, that the phone was calling about. Uh, none of that stuff surfaced in, in the, the proposed amendment from the member, and, and it was really a, an excellent example of uh, grassroots policy being made. By and Lisa says the final amendment would uh, encourage the the advancement toward uh, electronic animal ID uh, for cattle over breeding cattle over 18 months of age, and uh, and I guess then then we include rodeo cattle and exhibition cattle and dairy cattle, and uh, which lines up with what APHIS is. Uh, they should be submitting a final rule on on what they intend to have. So uh, it will line up probably with what APHIS comes out with hopefully here shortly and on that class of cattle and we do need to have the ability to track them. Policy work continuing on the final day of CattleCon 24. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has more. North Dakota Stockman's Association past president Dan Rorvig has chaired the NCBA Tax and Credit Committee for the past two years. The Mayville ranchers had several significant tax provisions are scheduled to sunset at the end of 2025. Well, the estate tax, of course, is a, is a major one. We strive for complete repeal of that. But uh, what we're really also, if we're not able to get the whole thing repealed or make it go away, we want to at least keep these uh, exemption numbers at a level that's current with, with, our, with our industry today. Uh, currently, uh, we're at like $13 million exemption and if we do nothing it'll revert back to less than half that and we all know what these values have done in the last 10 years and we, we can't let that happen. There's also some real significant situations for some of our deductibilities and uh, some of our other exclusions and these 2017 laws uh, would be uh, going backwards at a pretty fast rate. Obviously a very divided Congress right now. How do you get change when uh, something like that, when it's very much needed? Well, y you hope that cooler heads prevail and you hope that people do the right thing. The NCBA Tax and Credit Committee is surveying cattle producers about tax issues. That will be coming to a head within the next couple weeks. The Corporate Transparency Act is a, another issue that is a concern. Kind of slid in under the radar. Uh, we just woke up one morning and there it is. Uh, so uh, that needs to be brought to many producers' attention. Who it affects is any of those who have formed some sort of entity, other, basically anything other than the sole proprietorship, whether it's an LLC, LLP, a corporation. Uh, it's, uh, it's an additional reporting requirement that those entities are going to be required to do. Our coverage of CattleCon 24 made possible by the North Dakota Stockman's Association, North Dakota Beef Commission, Minnesota Beef Council, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Reporting from Orlando, I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network.
This is Tyler Donaldson of the Red River Farm Network here in Fargo for the Joint Ag Research Roundtable with North Dakota Senator John Hoven. Uh, Senator Hoven, what sort of impact do you feel or anticipate a joint collaboration like this having on um, ag communities here in the Red River Farm Network, more specifically on local farmers and even maybe even smaller operations? Well, we're making North Dakota the center for the development of precision agriculture, not just for this country, but for the world. We're leading the way forward. We have the best farmers and ranchers in the world, and we're bringing them this technology, this uh, precision ag that just continues to improve their productivity. That's not only important for their bottom line and their businesses, and remember, they're agribusinesses, but it means more food, fuel, and fiber for this country and for the world. And remember, they compete in a global marketplace, and that's what this is all about. What sort of opportunities do you think this might open up here at the local level or even at the national level where you operate? Well, you know, with Grand Farm, ARS, NDSU, we're going to do, like I say, incredible things in the whole precision ag world. So that's not just important for our farmers and ranchers, but look at all the opportunities for innovators and for exciting jobs. And it touches everything from AI to uh, tech innovation to some of the stuff we're doing up at Grand Forks with the whole autonomous aviation and now reaching into space, the GPS stuff. I mean, for a young people that's interested in technology and agribusiness, where are you going to go? Right here. It is exciting and it's great. And, it, and not just for somebody who wants to come work in this area, but how about for somebody that wants to start up a business? Who wants to be the next Great Plains like Doug Burgum? Well, come here because you're going to see it happen. Companies like Bushel and many others. That's pretty exciting stuff for a lot of young people where they can come, get that great education, and immediately at the same time be feeding into the whole business aspect of precision agriculture for the future. And so it sounds like this is just the beginning then, really. No question. I mean, like we've been talking about this week, we were named a National Science Foundation engine for the country, one of 10, but the only one in the whole nation focused on agriculture. That's going to be uh, on the order of $160 million. That's just one piece of this puzzle. Then you got the leading companies on the tech side, like Microsoft, the leading companies on the ag side, like John Deere, the innovation we're talking about, our farmers and ranchers, Grand Farm creating that test site, the work we do to bring about $50 million a year in for ag research on the part of NDSU. All these things coming together really gives this thing, uh, like I say, uh, national, international scope and scale. North Dakota Senator John Hoven for the Red River Farm Network. I'm Tyler Donaldson. U.S. Class 1 railroads originating 19,000 grain carloads during the week that ended January 20th, down 17% from the previous week, 26% less than the same week a year ago. Average February shuttle secondary rail car bids offers were $513 above tariff, $250 more than the previous week, $742 more than a year ago. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The U.S. Secretary of Agriculture was in Minnesota yesterday. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman had a chance to catch up with Minnesota Governor Tim Walls to recap that visit. Ag Secretary Tom Bilsack was, was visiting Minnesota and, and had a chance to talk with 
you all and, and others in the state. What were the, the big highlights of that event? It was great to have uh, Secretary Vilsack here, and he, he was here for a couple of focuses, mainly Minnesota doing a pretty good job, especially around the WIC program, the Women, Infant, Children program, making sure that we get nutritious meals to our newborns, gets them off to a good start. And then I was with him down in St. Charles, where we were highlighting a program that, that I've been you know, a big fan of for a very long time, the REAP program, the, the Rural Energy for America program that allows, you know, rural communities, allows our producers to have another revenue stream. Um, had some farmers down there, put up a wind turbine, got some REAP money. After two years, they're, they're fueling their whole operation um, without cost to them because of the energy they're producing. Same thing at Miller's Market in St. Charles, able to put some solar panels on the top. Grocery stores are pretty energy heavy because of their coolers. Um, the REAP program helps them do that. It's it's a real win-win-win. It, it's not only the move towards cleaner energy, it's home-growing energy. It provides money right back to the folks um, who are producing it. And the folks who built these projects are, are local folks in the community. And there's a lot of great minds working on sustainable practices and, and sustainable energy as well. Oh, that's exactly right. We rank first in the country in terms of getting grants and reap. These are competitive. People across the country are putting in, but Minnesota gets rewarded more of these because there's opportunities. And it's working with our rural electric cooperatives. It's working with our municipals. It's working with our large um energy producers and as minnesota moves towards a cleaner energy economy we recognize this is a transition and i remind people all of these programs are voluntary um these are folks if you want to get in but we're seeing minnesotans take advantage of it this is the way you make the energy transition and of course uh, minnesota legislative session is is kicking off here in in just a couple weeks what are some things you're looking forward to with that and and some conversations or, or movement there yeah, I think the biggest thing is to implement some of the things we got done. This this is not a year to go big on a lot of things. I think, you know, we'll see some of the results of increased local government aid, county program aid, fundings to schools, and some of the pressures coming off farmland taxation. I think those are folks that they want to see, you know, get these things in there, get them done right. I think we'll have a bonding bill. We know that Minnesota is is so competitive because we have one of the best transportation systems, but it's big and it's expensive to maintain and we need to stay on that. Governor Walz joining us here on the Red River Farm Network. Tasting and eating experience are huge drivers for consumer beef demand with the popularity of the dairy and beef across Minnesota, across the country. Minnesota Beef Council Executive Director Kelly Schmidt says beef checkoff research is looking at muscle cuts and consistency. We've seen increasing every year just the number of head of cattle that are dairy and beef cross. So with that, we're learning more about them. We're learning about where they fit in the market. And then we obviously engage with a lot of, you know, a lot of our farmer feeders in the state. And more and more of them every day are feeding those types of cattle. And so we're learning more, not only on the research side, but we're able to then talk and see how are these cattle doing? How are they performing? And then how are they eventually making it to the consumer's plate? And, and I think every year we're seeing more consistency. We're seeing improvements of just that expected good, you know, that good cut of beef and that good quality product at the end, which is what we're striving for. Ray Herbally, who ranches at Streeter, North Dakota, is in his final year on the Cattlemen's Beef Board. Herbally has a unique viewpoint with his experience as an owner of Napoleon Livestock Auction Market. Well, I guess when you're in the auction business, you work with every sector in the beef business. And as you engage in that, 
you have the opportunity to visit with everybody and their problems, and so it gives you a very broad perspective on what their concerns are in trying to make a livelihood. The cow herd is at levels not seen in nearly 75 years, and Herbaly doesn't expect that to change quickly. The average age of the producer is such that it's pretty hard to maintain a cow herd. And we have an economic situation where it's very difficult for the young people to get engaged and so on. So we're in at the threshold of some very interesting times. Applications for Century and Sesquicentennial Farms are now open through the Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation. To qualify, farms must demonstrate ownership by the applying family for 100 or 150 years or more. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Michael Johnson. Michael, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? Hey, Randy. Uh, this week I took a look inside of a group of uh, beef producers who met up near Pine River, Minnesota. Um, they're looking at forming a beef cooperative in order to sell their beef. And uh, their co-op would be called Headwaters Beef Cooperative. And so far their conversation is has been around selling cold cows for ground beef, but they'd also like to sell uh, everything basically to uh, a local market if that's uh, receptive. So they've had about 35 to 40 different producers that have showed interest in the co-op, and it's it's been going on for a few years, but it's, it's really gotten a boost recently because of uh, a grant they received from the Minnesota Farmers Union which is really helping them analyze their numbers and uh, get a look and see if they can do this and still be profitable. Does that include processing facilities too? Yep. So that's also part of the conversation is they have to be able to find a processor that can do it and help them do it profitably. And one of those, Minnesota Farmers Union, again, they're, they're building a processing center in Staples, which is a pretty short drive south of Pine River, and that could play a pretty important role in processing their beef. But if if not there, that they're looking elsewhere as well, just to find something that works best for them. Well, Michael, sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's check markets before we leave you. March wheat, Minneapolis, two and three quarter higher. Chicago March wheat's down two and a quarter. And Kansas City March wheat, four cents higher. Right now, corn, March corn down four and three quarters. July corn's down three and three quarters. March soybeans are down 15 and a quarter. And May soybeans down 15 and a half. March canola is down $7.40 a metric ton. February live cattle, 42 cents higher. April's up 50 cents. The March feeder cattle down 17 cents. And uh, the... Uh, April contract down 50 cents. February hogs down 2 cents. April lean hogs 15 cents higher. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.